What an amazing God we serve. I am glad to see you today. Uh, it is on days like today that I make it a goal to maybe greet everybody personally. And so if I've not greeted you yet, I'm coming for you. I've seen a couple of you come in, so okay, we're, going to, we're coming for you before it's over. But we're glad you're here to take your Bibles if you would. You find Luke chapter 23, verses 32 through 38. Luke chapter 23. Go back to the slide right before. Let's talk about our theme here for a moment. This is the first Sunday of a new sermon series, more than a series, a time in which we are preparing our hearts. And of course, it is the word prepare. I tried to go with a one word theme for the sermon series, prepare, and then I just couldn't do it. So we're preparing for resurrection. We know that Easter Sunday is coming and we <clears throat> prepare our hearts for that celebration. And uh, so we're doing that in these days. Also, we're preparing to fight. You might not notice the good words right under there, to fight the good fight, exemplified in the Apostle Paul scene in the way in which uh, Jesus lived. And, and uh, so we'll be talking about that if we're going to be moving forward, I believe, if there's going to be a great awakening. I believe it's going to be, uh, we're going to be ready to fight the good fight and be prepared for victory, which is already assured in our Savior Jesus Christ. So we're going to kind of look at those themes, seven services, seven weeks, seven words from the cross, beginning today, or lad, their seventh word be shared on uh, Good Friday service. We're going to be having six o'clock. Come and be prepared for that. And then on Easter Sunday, be a great day of celebration uh, for that. So today, we're looking at the first word of the cross. And here we have, we have Jesus, of course. It's his last six hours on this earthly body in which he took on for us. And with these last words of this earthly body, uh, Jesus is carried, spends it on the cross. He's going to say the last things. Now think if you had six hours left, what would you say? And who would you say it to? And so as we look at these words, we believe more than just mere words. So I invite you today, I invite you to kind of lean in to the, lean in to the scripture this morning and over the next six, seven weeks and listen closely to what Jesus has to say for these are words that can continue to transform your life and to be able to help you so that you might have influence on others who need to be transformed by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We're in Luke chapter 23, verse 32 through 38. These, this now is the word of God. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with Him, of course, with Jesus. And when they came to the place that's called the skull, there they crucified Him with the criminals, one on His right and one on His left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching, but the ruler scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. This was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. Focus in just a moment on that uh, Verse 33, and when they came to the place that's called the skull, there they crucified him. Uh, may the Lord bless the reading of his word today. Sometimes I'll see things that are written and I'll sure think they sure seem a little odd or maybe even a little bit funny. And often in church bulletins, probably because I'm highly motivated to look at church bulletins and see what they say. So the, here was a church that uh, had... Uh, they had a Christian education program and they wanted to introduce the teachers and also the pastor's sermon was being announced in the bulletin. And see if you think this is funny at all. But Christian Education Sunday, new teachers will be introduced. Sermon for the day, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Well, these is the first of the, 
seven words of Jesus on the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. The first of the last seven sayings of Jesus was a prayer. Do you remember what Jesus did when he began his ministry? We know now we're coming, and of course, it's the end of his ministry here on earth in the flesh. But do you remember what he did at the beginning of his ministry after the baptism? He immediately was taken, led by the Holy Spirit out into the wilderness and spent 40 days in prayer. So he ends, begins a ministry and now he's, this is a prayer that's given. Uh, that he's praying while he is on the cross. Now is not the time necessarily to heal people. Now is not the time to hug children, to teach a good lesson. But now is the time to pray. Good lesson for us, probably, that we begin and end things in prayer. And so we, we encourage people. In fact, I encourage people often, particularly if, they are, uh, if they're unable to serve in the church or maybe unable to even be here in the church, I say, I, I implore them, please pray for the church. Please pray for me. And they all say that they do and that they, and that they will. also encourage people who are really, really busy even if it's in the church, to be sure that we, they bathe everything that they do in prayer. Jesus certainly was an example for us about the importance of prayer. This short 10-word prayer answers some of the basic questions about our faith that we probably need here on the onset of our series that we're looking at today. So you got your notes there. It says Jesus answers crucial questions you need to know. The first one is it. What did Jesus or why did Jesus have to suffer on the cross at Calvary? Now, most of us have heard sermons about the agony of the cross and all that Jesus went through when he was on the cross. John, the gospel writer, probably says the most. He says something about the nails that were put in Jesus' hands, and he talks about that. But the gospel writers were not necessarily talking about all the physical things that took place on the cross. It's... Uh, Preachers and filmmakers like the Passion of the Christ probably put an emphasis particularly on that. One of the reasons that they didn't have to was because most people were aware of the Roman executions that took place. Roman, it's a Roman world in which they lived. These executions were very public. Sometimes they were placed on a T-shaped cross, sometimes an X-shape or an I-shaped cross. And uh, those who have maybe excavated some of the bodies that were executed have determined that it was not the cross that killed them. It was either starvation or it was exhaustion or certainly not being able to breathe, thirst, all of those things would usually cause of death. But the gospel writers didn't have to focus because everyone was aware of the kind of things that took place. Verse 35, we just read that all the people in Jerusalem, now whether everyone in Jerusalem was watching, but all the people stood around watching. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were much more interested in the purpose of the cross and how, the, and how Jesus responded. So how did Jesus handle it? He publicly prayed for his executioners and his enemies. He does not curse them. He does not pray for himself. He has already taken care of private prayer on the night before in the Garden of Gethsemane when he prayed, Father, if possible, let this cup pass from me. Now he publicly prays for those who nailed him to the cross. Anybody ever do you wrong? How'd you handle it? Problem is, we're not perfect at it. We know that Jesus was because we know that Jesus was mistreated. Ultimate mistreatment took place on the cross. But I believe if we pay attention, we'll know how to handle things when we are wronged or we'll be able to follow Jesus' example. But in, in this short prayer, we see God's purpose for the cross. God's purpose is sending the Son to take away our sins so that we might know a holy God. 
It's to offer hope to the world. The purpose of the cross, you've got your notes there, the purpose of the cross is to offer forgiveness and to give hope. The Apostle Paul said if there's any way for anybody to be able to make it to heaven, to know God or to be saved beyond the cross of Christ, beyond what Jesus did, then there, then the, the cross was of no need. Galatians 2.21 says, if we could be saved by keeping the law, then there was no need for Christ to die. But Jesus wanted to be there, for there to be no misunderstanding. He has come to be the sacrifice for our sins, to offer forgiveness to all those who would come to Him. Let there be no mistake. Jesus did not come to give good lessons or just to share good parables or just to share prophecy or just to heal the sick. He has come so that we might be forgiven of sins and be saved. Thus, let there not be a mistake why the church exists. It's not for entertainment, not for fellowship or food, though if you just follow us around, you might think that the food might be the purpose of the church. Not just so that children and teenagers and senior adults might be able to have something to do. No, it exists so that others might know the forgiveness of God. To take up the cross is not to take up your mission or your burden, your passion, but it's to take up His mission, His purpose. So the purpose of the church is to honor God and to give hope. It is to honor God and to give hope. We're, we're on a mission to offer hope to a world who needs Jesus. That's to determine what we do, church, is determine what we do with our time, the kind of activities we have, how we're going to spend our money, every decision. We're to honor God and to make disciples. I saw this, uh, I saw this in a Pizza Hut recently uh, on the wall kind of next to the register. I even think it may have been before the pandemic. Beware, humans work here. Even though perfection is imminent, it has not yet been attained and therefore mistakes will occur. Should this happen while a human waits on you, please be kind and patient. This will expedite matters and not frustrate the other humans. Now, forget thinking about pizza for a moment. But I thought I need to take this, I need to put it at the church somewhere because guess what? We're human. There's going to be mistakes along the way. We're not perfect yet. The Bible does tell us we will be perfect when we see Jesus with our own eyes. But until those times, please be nice to the humans. We, we've begun this Sunday, this uh, prepare series, seven weeks, seven sermons, seven, uh, seven messages from the cross. And, uh, and we're talking about, of course, uh, prepare for the resurrection. We'll prepare for resurrection Sunday. We want to prepare to fight the good fight. We want to uh, prepare for victory already assured in Christ. So, so let's do this during these next seven weeks. And th these are things that you already do, so I'm sure it will not be a problem. I want you to be intentional in showing random acts of kindness to one another, to strangers in the community, wherever you go, if not once a day. How about, you know, at least once a week or something. Be intentional in that. I mean, buy somebody's food in the drive-thru, cook somebody a meal, Pray, go visit, do something for somebody, lend somebody a hand that you need. So this is going to be my random act of kindness today. And I'd love for you to tell us about it. Send us an email, uh, connection card, come in Sunday, and just as you're sitting and waiting, not maybe not during the sermon, but sitting, you just kind of write down, this is a random act of kindness. I'd just let us know. Or if it happened to you, somebody gave you a random act of kindness and uh, you could tweet. If you know how to tweet, somebody else would probably have to tell me where to get that tweet, but it'd be okay. But let us know if some of those things are that are happening so that we might be able to show the difference in love that Christ is working in our hearts as we're continuing to prepare and the others might be able to 
know the love of God and let your love speak to others. Purpose of the cross, to offer forgiveness and give hope. Purpose of the church, to honor God and give hope. The purpose of the Christian, to know God and to give hope. And the cross makes that possible. Next question. Where is Jesus right now? What's he up to? Where is Jesus and what is he doing? We, we know God is one. We know God in three persons. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It is the Trinity. And we even see part of the Trinity here at work, of course. We know. So let's make sure we understand what's taking place here. And it is that Jesus, who is God in the flesh, He is on the cross. He's calling out to the Father, who is also God and is the same God. You got it? Well, understanding it is not always simple. But believing it is essential. Here is what we know. Jesus is our intercessor and our high priest. We no longer have to go to a priest to talk to God or to ask for forgiveness. Because of Jesus, we go directly to the throne of grace, the throne room of heaven. And He's acting even now as our intercessor, as He was then on the cross, praying on our behalf. Now, in the original language, it actually uses a form of the word that means Jesus kept on asking or kept on saying. Verse 34, we read it a moment ago. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Literally, keep on forgiving them. It implies that he kept on saying it over and over again, or that when he said it, it was meant for more than just one time, more than just one person, and more than just one sin. When Jesus was led to the place of the skull, I think we've got a picture here of the traditional place where Jesus was crucified on top perhaps of this mountain. You see why it's called the skull. It kind of looks like a sunken in skull there. Sometimes called Golgotha, which is the Aramaic for skull. Sometimes we use Calvary a lot. Sometimes called Calvary, that'd be the Latin for skull, which we're more influenced by perhaps. And he was there between two thieves. And when Jesus was taken to the place of the skull, and those who took them there, he said about them, Father, forgive them. When the soldiers laid him on the cross, on the beam of the cross, in order to place him atop of that cross, Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them. When the spikes were hammered into his flesh, Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them. When he was lifted up on that cross beam for all to see, he prayed, Father, forgive them. When the soldiers gambled away his last possession, the cloth that clothed him, and there he was exposed to the world, he prayed, Father, forgive them. As the Jewish rulers sneered at him, he saved others, let him save himself. Not understanding that by not saving himself, he offered salvation for all. And Jesus prayed, Father, Forgive them when the Roman soldiers mocked him and offered him wine, vinegar, either to taunt him or to prolong the misery. Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them. He kept on, kept on going to the throne of grace again and again. There's no indication that he ever stopped praying this prayer. Was his prayer answered? Well, Jesus said they know not what they are doing, but it seemed that they knew something. After all, Pilate said, I... Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, said, I find no fault in this man. The religious leaders shouted, he saved others. Let him save himself. He, they knew something. The very sign on the cross in three languages said the king of the Jews. One of the Roman soldiers would exclaim just a few hours 
after he was put on the cross, surely this man was the Son of God. Besides, ignorance is no excuse for sin, according to Romans 1. It tells us that we are without excuse, even those who've never heard of Jesus before or as guilty as sin, or maybe guilty of sin. They may not have understood the full scope of the crucifixion as they executed the innocent Son of God, but it was their sin that caused their spiritual blindness and their inability to recognize the Messiah and Savior of the world. Was Jesus' prayer answered? Well, who was it for? So who put Jesus on the cross? Well, the Romans physically placed Jesus on the cross. Did, did God forgive them? 1 Thessalonians 1, as well as other parts of the Bible, tells us it was the Jewish people who did it, that nation of Israel. They called him a blasphemer. Did Jesus forgive them? Consider this. In fact, Jesus placed himself on the cross. He gave himself up. In the Gospel of John, it says when those who came were about to execute Jesus, they were going to arrest Jesus, a whole mob of people came to arrest Jesus. When they confronted him and realized Jesus was standing before them, the Bible says that they all fell on their backside. Now listen, of all the events that happened in Jesus' life that I would have liked to have seen firsthand besides the resurrection, this may be among the top. To watch all of those fall. I could see Jesus helping them up, those who were about to arrest him. Y'all get on up. This is the time. In fact, Jesus gave himself up for us and took upon himself all the sins of the mankind. So who put Jesus on the cross? Well, all of these are true. But it's also true that my sins and your sins put Christ on the cross. Was Jesus' prayer answered? We have a hint in Acts chapter 3. Fifty days later, after Pentecost, the Holy Spirit has come to all believers who are in Jerusalem. Peter stands to preach and he says this, To those who crucified Jesus, you did it in ignorance. They know not what they do. Now repent and be converted. The emphasis of Jesus' prayer on this cross, this first word from the cross, is on His benevolence and on His compassion. Jesus' prayer for the ignorant allowed for a period of grace and not immediate judgment Time is given for all those that were present that day of the cross and for all of us that we might believe you might imagine all of the heavenly host watching the Savior of the world, God in the flesh being hung on the cross ready to take care of judgment on all those who placed Him there that day. But because of the prayer of Jesus Christ, there was time in order that they might be able to repent and consider there was at the Passover in which Jesus was placed on the cross. It says all the people in Jerusalem watched what was taking place. Fifty days later at Pentecost, 3,000 in Jerusalem were saved. Surely some of the same ones who were standing at the cross that day and even jeering at Jesus were saved at Pentecost. The Bible says in Romans 5, 8 that even while we were yet sinners, Christ died on our behalf. While we were still enemies of the cross... Was Jesus' prayer answered? Yes. Grace was given for all of those who call upon Him are saved. Well, where is Jesus today? Well, we want to stay real biblical in how we answer this question because some of the same things that Jesus was doing on the cross, He's still doing. Listen to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. I think it's on the screen. This is the way it says it in the message. God raised him from death and set him on a throne in deep heaven in charge of running the universe. Everything from galaxies to governments, no name and no power exempt from his rule. And not just for the time being, but forever. He's in charge of it all, has the final word on everything. 
Where's Jesus? He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. Certainly in the hearts of all those who know and love Him. But specifically, we know that He's seated at the right hand of the heavenly realm. Jesus is seated in the heavenly realm. Well, what's Jesus up to? What's He doing? Again, staying biblical. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 through 16 says this. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet he is without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace so that we might receive mercy, find grace to help in time of need. Today, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Heavenly Father and Jesus is praying this prayer, interceding on our behalf. Father, forgive you. Father, forgive me. Not because we don't know what we're doing, though that's probably more true than not. But today he's saying, forgive because I took their punishment. I paid the price. 1 Peter 2.24 says this, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds you have been healed. Where is Jesus and what's he up to now? It's an important question for his work on the cross continues to affect followers and believers today. Which leads to the third question. How does this prayer of Jesus make a difference? How does this prayer of, how does this prayer of Jesus make a difference to you today? A reporter asked a well-known person if he remembered the uh, a fault of a person who hurt him deeply. I remembered his answer because he very answered very quickly and it stuck with me. He said, no, I specifically remember forgetting that. If you're a believer today, all your sins have been forgetting and, and forgotten. Forgiven and forgotten. He does not dig them up and every once in a while, take a look at them. Micah chapter 7, 19 says, he buried them in the deepest part of the sea and he put up a no fishing sign. Some of that is my paraphrase, you understand, but it is the greatest gift ever given. So how does this prayer of Jesus make a difference to you today? By accepting God's gift, all your sins have been washed away. All of our sins have been washed away. All of your sins. You no longer have to walk around with guilt. Jesus' forgiveness frees you of the burden of guilt that tends to weigh you down that which would keep you from fulfilling God's purpose and God's plan for your life has already been taken away. Sometimes we can be forgiven. We can be genuine believers in the Lord Jesus, followers of Him. And Satan can still tell you that you're guilty. We can feel like we are no good, not worth anything. But Jesus' first words on the cross was about true freedom to all who have accepted Him couple of verses in Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says there, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Have you accepted the gift that keeps giving? Have you accepted God's offer of forgiveness? If not, Jesus is saying today this prayer from the cross He is interceding on your behalf that you might be able to accept this prayer by faith that you can accept Jesus as your Savior and Lord today and that you can be forgiven because of what Jesus did on the cross and because of what He said, you can know that that's true. And even now, in the next few minutes, we'll be through with this message. But as we come to the end, you can know that Jesus right now is working on your heart. 
because He wants you to accept Him as your Lord and Savior. If you don't know Christ, if you're here today, if you're listening live stream, you know that you can accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you've accepted Christ's offer of forgiveness, listen, don't miss this. Don't rob yourself of the freedom from sin as God intended you. And don't make the cross less than what it was intended to be by living like you have not been forgiven. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 16. Live as people who are free. Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. I do believe the Bible teaches that once you become a believer in the Lord Jesus, and you've been forgiven of sin. You're free in every sense of the word. Apostle Paul tells us many times in Galatians, you're free. Live as free men and women and teenagers and boys and girls. Do as you please. You have that freedom. But then he says, now that you know that you're free, use your freedom to be a servant. Servant of the Lord and a servant of others. So how does this prayer of Jesus make a difference to you today? Because you are forgiven, you must also forgive. Be kind to one another. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Jesus is our best teacher. He is our best example. He went to the cross to forgive those who hated Him. Now, what should you do? You may have one-time friends, perhaps, that you need to forgive. You may have family that you need to forgive. You may have church members that you need to forgive or that you need to ask forgiveness. Maybe somebody who you work with or a teammate or classmate that you need to forgive or to ask forgiveness. Now, you can't force anyone to accept your friendship or your forgiveness. Jesus reminds us, though, we need to stand ready and willing to make amends without conditions or qualifications. That's forgiveness. Thought about this here recently. The, the cathedral at Coventry, England. It's a beautiful, beautiful, fairly new cathedral for England, which usually has lots of old stuff, but lots of, when the sun comes in through the recessed or beveled glass that they have, and when you stand in, it's a radiant sunlight and kind of bask in the glow inside this particular cathedral in Coventry, England. Some of you may have, may have been there. Uh, Coventry, England is also known for uh, Lady Godiva. I don't think the chocolate person, but uh, Lady Godiva. Maybe some of you might remember in history, she was, she's the one that rode horseback around the town naked in order that her husband would take away the taxes. He was a harsh dictator and he had great taxes, but the husband said, if you'll ride naked through town, I will lower the taxes on the people. And all the people agreed that they would not look. But one person looked. Guess who it was? Tom. First peeping time, that's where this comes from. In fact, right in the center in Coventry, England, there's a clock. And on this clock, every hour on the hour, as the chimes ring, two eyes come up above the clock. And Lady Godiva comes, a little statuette comes riding around the clock. Every hour on the hours, those eyes kind of go back and forth. But Coventry, England is not only known for the cathedral, not only known for Lady Godiva, but it's known for something else. Next to this beautiful rebuilt cathedral are the ruins of the old cathedral, which was bombed and completely destroyed on November 14th, 1940. All things happened in the world reminded me of this. And all the ruins still stand as they are 
to this day. But the most intriguing part are the words that have been placed on a charred cross behind that cross are the words, Father, forgive. This was the prayer of a distraught people who watched their cathedral burn to the ground, saw family members and friends who were killed or who were wounded in the bombings. Only the cross of Christ, only the grace of God makes that possible. Is there somebody that you need to forgive? It does not come naturally. But when we do not forgive, we hurt ourselves in the cause of Christ. Is there someone in this church that you need to forgive? Well, I want to encourage you to forgive as an individual so that you might be able to move forward in Christ, so that you might be able to grow in Christ. As a, I want you to be sure that you're forgiving people and people are asking forgiveness so that the church might go, for, go forward because in order for us to continue to, in the direction that we've been going, that we need to go, we need to be sure that we're practicing and we're practicing forgiveness because we have been forgiven. Don't stop the progress. And by being kind, compassionate, and forgiving, you open doors for others to know God's forgiveness. So here's the invitation today. For those that do not know Jesus as the Lord and Savior, accept God's forgiveness. Repent of your sin. Ask Christ to come in. And He has promised that He will forgive. The proof is found in the cross. And for those of you who are believers, will you be an example and open the door for others by forgiving them or helping others to find pardon and forgive us for their lives? For when we look at the cross of Calvary, we see not just anyone, but we see the Son of God wrapped around the tree offering forgiveness to all who will come to Him. God's forgiveness is available to all through Jesus. You might be thinking today, well, I, I know this story. I mean, I know about the cross, and I know, you know Easter's coming again. Every year we celebrate Easter and the resurrection. I even know Jesus had seven things that he had to say from the cross. And here we, here we go again, talking about some of these very same things. But we need to talk about them, and we need to hear them again and again. One, it is salvation for all those who need to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And it is strength for disciples of Christ as we continue to hear, listen, and tell the story. Let's bow together for prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you at this time. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. and We thank you for the very words he spoke that allowed us to be able to be forgiven of all of our sins. And We pray now, Father, for those who may not know you as Lord and Savior, may not be sure today they can know for sure that Jesus is their Savior and Lord. We thank you for the example of those who were baptized today. And we pray, Father, for those of us who are believers in the Lord Jesus. And we pray the difference that the cross and the resurrection and the forgiveness of God makes in our lives. Help us to live truly, freely serving you each and every day so that we might be able to go forward and make progress that you may be at work. We thank you, Father, for your presence in this place and how you continue to be at work even now. It's in Jesus' name we lift these prayers. Amen.